the Sideways, Book One, Awake, written and narrated by Andy Havens. If you're enjoying the podcast or you've enjoyed the written book, we'd always appreciate a share on your favorite social network. That's www.the-side-ways.com. Thanks for listening. After the warmth of the club, the cool night was both refreshing and a bit of a shock. All of this globe-trotting, Kendra said to Vanya, makes it hard to know what to wear. Peh, said Parrot Girl, looking down at the piece of notepaper and mumbling to herself. That's a waymark? Kendra asked. They were standing outside the club. Vanya had spent the better part of an hour collecting on the various bets that had been made with her. For some reason, she didn't want to do it inside the place, but kept ducking back in to pull out other customers to settle their accounts. Kendra had sat on a nearby stump for a while, just looking at the stars with her newfound senses. They seemed to be talking to each other, and absent-mindedly keeping an eye on her friend. There were laughs from time to time, and some harsh words, and once something that sounded like begging in an Asian language she didn't recognize. But in the end, Vanya collected everything she was owed, and then signaled for Kendra to join her. Yep, the little blonde girl answered. You want to tell me what that is? What? What is? Oh, wait, hang on, yeah. Vanya folded the note and put it back in her pocket. It's a map, kind of. To what? Ways that aren't usually visible to those outside their created house. And that guy has a list of them because because he's from sight, and they trade, or in this case, gamble and lose, information. Kendra nodded. Makes sense. Couple good ones in here, Vanya said, patting her pocket. Two that I didn't know about. And at least one that I think is a lie. But it's hard to tell if the kid was trying to short me, or if he's just honestly wrong. And if he's shorting you... Vanya grinned a not-at-all-nice grin and said, You don't stiff the brothers. Kendra nodded again and looked up at the night sky. It's late, she said. Where are we going to sleep? We can stay here. They have some rooms they rent. Simple, clean. Safer than almost anywhere else on the planet, really. The ways that wrap the sanctuaries are crafted by all the houses. You can get killed in a legit fight, of course, but unless you declare, the walls themselves would pretty much stop anything other than an army from doing you dirty. Well, the walls and CB. Remembering the tall, well-built man, Kendra said, I imagine he's impressive in a fight. You have no idea. Anyway, let's get a room. Knowing that the little blonde girl who flew away with Kendra was from House Chaos was a start. Knowing her name, Wallace was just about guaranteed to find her within... Got her, he said less than an hour after they'd returned to his apartment. Kaylin had taken the opportunity to sleep, curled up on the rug in Wallace's small living room. Where? said Kaylin. Wallace jumped a little. The Greenman had moved across the apartment almost instantly in complete silence. That's a bit unnerving. 
Uh, hi, where? Uh, it's a sanctuary, Bardone's. She was gambling, and there's chatter about, is Kendra with her? Unknown. Nothing specifically indicates her, but that's not... He got no further, as the greenman was already headed to the door. Kaelin, wait for me. I just have to lock up this. But the greenman was gone. Door left open behind him, and Wallace was left to wonder, should I follow him? He came to me for information, and I got it for him. He glanced at the clock on the wall. It was still too early to go to the library for an official day's work. He could still take personal research time and not get in trouble. But do I want to? Why should I care? Caring about the subject of research was unusual in the library. Knowledge for its own sake was the rule. His patrons? Of course they cared, and he cared that they received good service from him. But one person might want to know how to care for a sick tree and nurse it back to health, while another might be looking for information on how to deforest an entire country's worth of woodlands. Not my business. And yet he remembered how determined Kendra looked while confronting Mr. Monday. How delighted she seemed at the discovery of her new reckoning. How quickly she'd managed to acclimate herself to the way he'd used to show her the events of the Reckoner's War. She learns very fast, he thought. That's something I can respect. And then, at exactly the same time, two very different thoughts occurred to him. She would make an excellent addition to sight, and she felt so small in my arms. Hurrying to secure and pack up his laptop, Wallace considered eight or nine different ways he could probably get to Bardone's before Kaolin. He'd never used any of them before, but knew about them because, well, librarians know things. The quickest one would definitely be the most uncomfortable, and probably even a little dangerous, but he believed it would certainly be faster than any of the ways of Earth. Sometimes information is less important than experience, he thought, or maybe is a kind of information. That's an interesting line of thought. I'll need to come back and refer to that. He slammed the door shut on his way out, but left it unlocked. Power still on to various screens and appliances, windows wide open. He didn't notice, and he didn't care. His apartment knew what to do when he left, shoring up various wards to keep the place under complete surveillance and reporting. The door locked itself, the devices went into sleep mode, and the windows slid shut and latched itself quietly. Kendra woke up to a gentle pressure on her shoulder. When she opened her eyes, a very handsome, very bald man was smiling down at her. "'There are two men downstairs fighting over you,' he said quietly, more than a hint of amusement in his voice. "'I told them that our policy is not to disturb guests who are sleeping, but they seem to be close to the point of doing something stupid.' I said I would at least check in and see if you could come down and, uh, arbitrate whatever their issue is. None of that makes any sense at all, Kendra thought, rubbing at her eyes and sitting up. She'd slept very well and very deeply and seemed to remember dreaming about a lamp post. What? was all she managed to get out. The man stood up, smiling, still gentle in demeanor, and held out his hand for her. She took it, unthinking, and he helped her to her feet. 
You're CB, she said, waking up just a little bit more. That's right. She looked around. Vanya was still asleep, nestled between her wings, the knuckles of one hand resting on the floor beside the bed. She looks cute asleep, Kendra said, not really aware she'd spoken aloud. CB chuckled. Uh, unless you know her well, yes, very cute. Kendra looked a question at him, frowning. I take it you don't know her very well, CB asked. I thought I did. I mean, we've been together nonstop for the last couple weeks, and I knew her as a child. CB nodded, smiling, more broadly. You're a friend of hers, then. Well, that's good. For you, anyways. I don't worry about her breaking sanctuary while she's here, of course. But you seem like a nice kid, and I wasn't sure if this was, uh, the, uh, first act of one of Vanya's, uh, special assignments. Special assignments? Kendra wasn't sure she wanted to know what that meant. I'll let her tell you, CB said, turning towards the door. Her business, or yours, not mine. What is my business is the two idiots downstairs who look like they'd risk Khan Lee to be the one who talks to you first. Kendra turned her head in a circle, cracking her neck vertebrae and opening and closing her jaw to relieve some of the stress of her nightly teeth clenching. What if I ask nicely, she said, bending over to get her backpack from the floor. Ask what? Ask about Vanya's special assignments. C.B. looked down at her from a height difference of well more than a foot and folded his arms across his chest. She was, all of a sudden, acutely aware again of what great shape he was in. Not just fit or athletic, but really, really intentionally strong. He looks like he could break me in half with one hand, she thought. He scowled a moment longer, then finally shrugged. If it was another house... I don't think I'd tell you. But with chaos? Oh, they don't mind a little mixy. I'm not breaking canon or rule or oath, so what the hell? Your cute-winged friend is Sikiara to the Red Brothers. Chief Assassin. Has been for about three hundred years. Her current form and her current name is relatively new. Very few people would recognize her for what and who she is. But the Bardones, we have long memories. And our walls have eyes. With that, he waved her towards the door. Enough of Vanya's colored past. It's time for you to deal with your own messy present. Kendra nodded, surprised, but strangely not really shocked. She looked back over her shoulder and saw that Vanya was drooling a little onto her other hand, the one nestled between her chin and the pillow. As they descended the long, curved staircase from the rooms above to the bar area below, C.B. said, Oh, one other thing. She loves movie quotes. You probably know that. But if you hear her say, Red Leader standing by, I'd get the hell out of Dodge. As she entered the almost empty bar area, Kendra saw Kaolin and Wallace stand up from where they'd been sitting at two different tables. The only other person in the large room was one of the wait staff from last night that she hadn't really met, a man with curly red hair and a long lumberjack-style beard to match who was doing some general neatening and straightening. I get the feeling he's also subtle backup, she thought. 
Nothing obvious, just an additional pair of hands for CB. If things get weird. Wallace and Kaelin spoke at the same time. You need to come with me. Hi, Kendra. It's, I mean, I think we should talk. CB stopped and sat on the bottom step with a good view of the whole room, leaning back against the banister. Kendra moved forward to stand in front of and pretty much equidistant from her two visitors. What the hell are you doing here? she asked. Again, they both answered simultaneously. You need to come with me to see Rain. It's important. I wanted to talk to you about the library. She shook her head. One at a time. Geez, can we all sit down, please? I just woke up. I could use some water and some coffee and something to eat, and I'm not going anywhere without Parrot Girl. You mean Vanya? Wallace asked. Yes, Vanya, my friend. The one who rescued me from those blood dudes. She's much more confident than before, Wallace thought. She's learned a lot. I can tell. They all turned as Dottie came out of the kitchen, a tray in her hands. She put coffee, water, O.J., and a plate of various breakfast pastries on the table nearest Kendra. Kendra didn't even think to be surprised that Bardones knew what she wanted. She just said thanks and took a seat, pouring coffee into a mug and grabbing a cruller. Come on, she said, talking through a full mouth. Sit, eat, drink, or not, whatever. Wallace and Kaelin spared each other a quick, suspicious glance and sat down on either side of Kendra. Wallace helped himself to a cheese Danish, but Kaelin just sat, leaning back in his chair and waiting. After she'd had a few sips of the insanely good coffee and a few bites of the average crawler, Kendra finally asked, Now, what's up? You go first, gesturing to Kaolin. Leaning forward, the Greenman seemed very earnest and concerned. Mr. Vernon has been trying to find you since you were taken, he said. He's worried about you, not just because you disappeared, but because of what you are now. She nodded. I get that, and I appreciate it. I assume he wants me to pick a domain. I don't know what he wants, Kaolin said. He just asked me to find you and bring you to him. Kendra nodded. And you, Wallace, you're a long way from the library. What's up? Wallace brushed a few invisible crumbs off his chin and looked awkward. He tried to say something, stopped, tried again, shook his head, looked off into space, above and to the right of Kendra, and was clearly working out exactly what he wanted to say. Wow, Kendra thought. I guess even Reckoners can be socially retarded. She had plenty of friends like that. Super smart, nice people who had trouble communicating, especially with other super smart, nice people. Rather than interrupt or suggest what she thought he wanted to say, she just waited. Finally, he came to some kind of conclusion and said simply, I think you should apply to the library for a job. You'd be good at it. Eventually. After a lot of training, I mean. I think. He looked worried, so she smiled at him, and he seemed visibly relieved. I don't think so, Wallace. His eyebrows went up, and he looked like he was starting to work out another long, well-thought-out, pre-saying-something pause, and this time she did interrupt him. I know he thought he was doing the right thing, but your boss basically tried to kill me. And then he was kind of a complete dick about it. The first thing, I guess I understand it now. Not sure I agree with the methodology, but it was, well, within his rights. But to put somebody through that and then to basically wave me off with almost no explanation, no help, that was pretty douchey. 
Wallace nodded. He pretty much agreed with her, so it was hard to argue. Nevertheless, he thought he should at least try. He's not an easy man, and doing stuff isn't his forte. Watching is. Learning. But he's consistent, and he's a good man, just not easy, or really friendly, or approachable. Yeah, kind of a dick. C.B. laughed from his perch on the stairs. They all turned, and he held up his hand, saying, I'm just glad, for your sake, that you said that in here. You call Monday a dick beyond these walls? <laughs> he laughed again. Uh, that's a good point, agreed Wallace, turning a little pale. Don't worry, said Kendra, smiling. I won't tell. Turning to Kaylin, she said, Now you, you want me to come with you to see Mr. Vernon? The Greenman nodded silently. She thought about it, silently. The only sounds were Dottie humming in the kitchen and the clack of clean silverware being laid out on the tables. I think that makes sense, she finally said, rising. Wallace, Kaylin, and C.B. all stood up after her, and she turned towards the owner, or whatever, of Bardone's and said, Thank you for your hospitality, for the food, the drink, and the entertainment, and the courtesy. He smiled. God, he's handsome, and bowed a little. Ever at your service. You know how to find us now. Kendra nodded and said, When Vanya wakes up, tell her I've gone to see Rain Vernon. We'll meet... She turned and looked at Kaolin. In the topiary garden? It was a question, and the greenman nodded. After that, if she wants to find me, I think I'll be back home for at least a few days. She hefted her backpack onto her shoulder, turned, and gulped down the last of the coffee and said to the greenman, Let's see a man about a garden. They walked side by side toward the big stone door beneath the staring eye. When she'd first come in, it had seemed threatening and ominous to her. Now, it feels like I'm leaving a place where I was watched over, a safe place. One hand on the stone arch, she turned back and said to C.B., When Vanya gets up, will you give her a message for me? The tall, muscular, handsome man smiled handsomely and nodded. Ask her, If you wake up at a different time, in a different place, could you wake up as a different person? C.B. frowned. I don't know that one. Kendra chuckled and waved. I think she will. Rain Vernon sat in his car outside the topiary garden and fondled the envelope Gareth Ezer had given him. He'd heard from Kaelin that they'd located the girl and that she was on her way to meet him here within the hour. The envelope was sealed, and not just with glue and wax, of course. Rain suspected that if he opened it, and very bad things didn't happen immediately, it would seem to contain a blank sheet of paper, probably nice, thick, soft stationery that felt like it was the child of heavy cream and Egyptian cotton sheets. Protecting a message from eyes other than those intended was trivial. For many, unprotecting the message would be, while not trivial, certainly achievable. In personal battles that often lasted centuries, communication and information were both powerful and complex weapons. In this regard, Rain envied sight just a bit. The ability to both see and see through would be extremely handy sometimes. 
even if he thought he had a good chance of opening the envelope safely and reading the actual message, he would not have done so. It is not wrong to fear a power greater than yourself, he thought. It is wisdom. The sea will drown the strongest. Nevertheless, he resented it. Within his own house there were few reckoners as powerful as Rain. None had as many followers. None had so much wealth accrued in real estate, minerals, artifacts, and favors. He had many friends, actual friends, people who liked him, regardless of his own power and wealth. Friends from long ago. Even some prominent mundanes who were, he had to admit, occasionally more interesting than reckoners, simply because they were so different so headstrong and foolish in their lust for life. They eat every meal as if it might be their last, because it truly might, he thought. Unlike the naturals such as Kaolin, who understood that death and life were so intertwined as to be sides of the same coin, and unlike reckoners who could live in ways that a mundane would never understand, maybe they are so beautiful because they live between those worlds and reflect them both, he thought. That deserves some reflection. Maybe a poem. His reverie was disturbed by a sharp clicking on his passenger side window. He turned and saw a large black crow sitting on his rearview mirror, pecking at the glass. He made a shooing gesture, but the bird just kept pecking, some kind of repeated pattern, he realized. Tap, tap, badap, tap. Tap, 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 badap, dap, tap, tap. Finally it came to him, shave and a haircut, two bits. Ah, not just a bird then. Not particularly surprised, as messengers can take many forms in earth, he rolled down the passenger side window, and the bird hopped onto the frame, head inside the car, tail still sticking out. The bird then spoke in a language that Rain hadn't heard in more than three thousand years, saying essentially, I know you, and I see you, and you will listen carefully. Struggling to retain a modicum of calm, Rain replied in the same language, I hear and will hear. Good, the bird said in English, cocking its head, shiny black eyes fixed steadily on Rain's. "'You're planning to offer the girl a place in your house, I believe,' asked the crow, continuing in an American accent in English. "'A slight Boston accent, maybe?' Rain thought. "'But Brahmin? Back Bay, not Southie, certainly.' In response to the bird's question, Vernon simply nodded. "'And if she says no, you will give her that message?' The bird dipped its head in the general direction of the envelope resting on Rain's thigh. Rain nodded again. Oh, one of two things will happen when the girl reads what's in that envelope, the crow said. Either she will change her mind and agree to join your house, or she will not. Niles frowned. The statement was, at its face, obvious. The crow continued, If she accepts and becomes a reckoner of earth, then all is well. You will train her, and she will make an excellent addition to your domain, I believe. Niles nodded, still frowning. That's what I'm assuming will happen. And uh, if she does not? 
Now Rain looked a bit confused. I believe she will. The bird simply repeated, head cocked to one side. And if she does not, I'm... He stopped because Gareth hadn't told him, really, what to do after that. Just that he should give Kendra the envelope if she wouldn't join the Domain of Earth. Again, a third time, the bird asked, And if she does not... Did a parrot ever sound that grim? Rain wondered, surprised at his own inner levity. Uh, if she does not, I will let her go. I will have fulfilled my duty. The crow hopped onto the dashboard, sitting just a foot or so away from his face. She, somehow he knew the crow was female, had to duck down a little to avoid brushing her head on the windshield, and it made her look even more menacing, like she was crouching before a pounce or examining a crushed raccoon in the road to make sure it's truly dead, he thought. "'If she will not join you, then you will kill her,' the bird said simply. "'That's not in that other language, the one that sounded like wind across a desert and stones tumbling into a dry well,' the crow said. "'I tell you, this is law.' Without even thinking, Rain replied, I hear the law. I have to find a way to contact Gareth before they get here, he thought. He didn't tell me what to do. If she wouldn't join Earth, I just assumed. But the crow cut short his frightened planning. Returning to English, she said, Good, I, I trust that a reckoner of your abilities will have no trouble destroying an untrained, unaffiliated youngster within a way of your own making. Since you will have no house, you have no need of an excuse. It is not even vendetta. But if asked, and you feel you have to answer, blame her for the undeclared murder of your greenman. The killing of... But before he could finish his question, the bird croaked once, ah! turned, and flew out the open window. He heard her caw again, from a spot that sounded like it was atop the roof of a building that fronted on the garden. She's watching, he thought, and looked up just in time to see Kaolin and the girl come around the corner toward the black iron gate of the topiary. <laughs>